<laughs> there we go recording started um first thing first like james do you want to do like a quick intro in, in, intro jesus you got it maha you got I'm, it you i'm got sweating it. I'm, I'm sweating <laughs> <laughs> so nervous he's really nervous <laughs> so nervous <laughs> Yeah, I'd uh, love to do an intro. So um, I'm James Thayer. Um, I'm a assistant director of fitness and health promotion at a D2 university. I'm also a prescript coach. We have um, where you might see me on Sunday Labs, um, RxD radio podcast, uh, the Sunday edition, and soon to come out the prescript programming principles course i think that comes out september 8th so if you're hearing Yay. this before that there's still time to sign up questionable if they'll hear it before but we're yeah. trying to get it <laughs> we'll i was thinking of that like, <laughs> might, be, oh, might be able to sign up late yeah, yeah you know yeah or, like, or the trying. next iteration probably yeah. by the time they hear this is like the second uh, version of it welcome now. to the new yeah. year 2023 yeah. how are you <laughs> how'd it go just kidding you don't know it's, are you excited about that it's a brand it's brand new eh? brand new yeah yeah so it'll be a um, brand new programming course um we put a lot of a lot of time conversations and effort into it um we're really excited about it we kind of what brought about it was us looking around the industry and kind of thinking to ourselves with me working at the university level with the conversations that we have um just personal conversations with RxD radio conversations, a lot of it is trying to appeal to coaches. And, you know, you'll see a lot of programs out there, you'll see a lot of systems out there, but we didn't really see anybody that is teaching principles around approaching and around programming and really teaching coaches how to take the information that they've either learned through their experience, that they've learned at workshops, clinics, that they got through their certification and how to hone that into practical application of programming because you know the textbook will talk about it a little bit but mm -hmm. it's taking that information especially for an a younger coach younger personal trainer coming into the industry taking that information and trying to apply it and learning how to adapt that and modify it that's really what we wanted to focus on for the coaches is finding the information that's going to benefit them the most to be able to create the most efficient and long-term successful program for clients mm. yeah man programming oh uh, yeah that's like the bane of our existence like vanessa and i talk about this all the time but you, you kind of like you said something i really liked is was like and this is what kind of brought me to prescript and like just kind of hashtag not a cult uh kept me in was like I, I kept doing different courses and they kept like uh, kind of advertising that they're going to teach you programming, right? But then they would just like talk about the basics of programming, but there was no like, you wouldn't actually learn how to do it or as like how to like kind of get all this experience that you or all this knowledge that you're getting combined with your experience and put it into programming. And necessarily Prescript didn't do it at the beginning either, but what kind of led to it was like, we did these courses, but then through the, like through the journey that which was the lab, especially at the beginning, uh, like you get exposed to different ideas and different coaches and like how they talk about programming and things like that. And you just kind of mold or form the way you would program based off of all these conversations. And I think what you've guys done is like through all of those conversations, like for the past two years that pretty much you've done your lab and 
uh, conversations you've had with all the other coaches that you're kind of distilling it into a, all right, so these are the things we're going to take and like build programming through rather than just like talking about programming, but never teaching anyone how to program. Like yeah, everyone yeah, likes exactly. to talk volume and intensity, but never tells you like how to put it together. Yeah. And so looking that's, it's kind of through that vein that like old school Thunderdome days, like a lot of those conversations of here is an exercise in isolation that we look at, but then, you know, the conversations would always go, why are you doing this? How are you going to progress this? How do you need to regress it? How does this match up with everything else in the amount of stress that you're incurring from the workout as a whole? And what does that look like over the week and over like through the phases to make it sustainable or not? Because it's very like Instagram, social media is full of here's an exercise in isolation. Here's a small clip when not understanding like how do I take this to be a long-term successful build out to reach this point and go beyond this point? Because that one exercise, like you can do it, it might destroy you. And then what good is it? So kind of those conversations originally from definitely uh, the prescript crew, definitely the Thunderdome days, but taking some of that information, looking at how we could make it applicable to coaches and really dive deep into the principles of programming and give some more intention and direction for coaches as far as whenever they're whenever they're collecting information, whenever they're looking at how to transition from one phase to the next phase, how to add some fluidity to that. So it's not, it's not just here's a workout, here's a workout. It's more so a guidance of this is the direction where we're going. This is the path we're going to take. And looking at that long-term goal, let's actually make that sustainable by reverse engineering and seeing where we are now and how we get there. It's such a hard thing to teach. It's such a great, right. like I can't, I, I'm really excited to see what you guys come out with because uh, it's probably why it hasn't been done a ton of times before. Right. Because like, how do you teach programming? And it, it's so nuanced and crazy. And Mahan, you always say like the best way to get good at programming is by programming, do make a ton of them and making mistakes probably. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's really, I like the way you guys do things though. There's that quote, that you guys always say, um, we're not teaching systems, we're teaching a systems way of thinking. And I'm assuming like that's how this cert is gonna look. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Did I get that yeah, quote it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, yeah, yeah great. Yeah. yeah, it's looking a lot at of coaches like, I just process. wanna know. I just want what's the system, just tell me. But a, a lot of times, like, I can't just tell you, you know. Well, and that's the challenge of it is mm -hmm. like with the system, it's here's the blueprint, just follow the blueprint. Whereas mm -hmm. we look to it more so as like here's all the different options you have. Let's give reason and logic to take that path. Mm -hmm. This is what's guiding us. So it's, you don't really have that system to fall back on, but you have the principles because systems break down whenever something goes awry, whenever the individual can't sustain the, that system program, what do you do from there? And that's what I think a lot of the times that we'll see with, with coaches is they've only learned how to do it one way and they weren't really given the tools. This is how we adapt it. This is how we modify it. This is how we can continue to progress whenever they hit the roadblocks, because the reality of it is working with people, you're going to hit roadblocks, whether Ooh. it's 
you know, you just pushed them too hard. You didn't account for something going on maybe in the gym or outside the gym. So there's that accumulation of stress. There's vacations, there's life, there's, you know, family issues. There's all these factors that go into account of working with an individual that it's impossible to cover that in a system. It's impossible to cover that in a textbook. But if you understand the principles and you fall back on some of these, this helps you navigate through adapting programs for people and how to not only not only be able to adapt that program, but also take that individual into account and knowing a path forward and knowing that I think something that's not always talked about and you two working together with Mahan programming for you, like you guys would understand this, that working with somebody like a coach client relationship is a collaboration. It's not a dictatorship and just directing like there's if it's done well, there's a lot of co collaboration. There's a lot of feedback. There's adjustments and modifications that have to be made. And you can't do that just in a system because it's going to be so individualized and so unique to somebody that it's impossible to cover everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, I am a dictator, but I get what you mean. <laughs> no, no. For other people, it seems other to work people, just like for actually good coaches out there. <laughs> you want to seem like a dictator no, maybe I, on social media yeah. <laughs> you haven't posted your clients like on the floor in a long time i miss that yeah i <laughs> I'll, I'll bring the dead bodies back like, yeah a, yeah it was a phase because <laughs> no, uh sir you brought that up and like my mindset just completely went there and just kind of use like what james was saying is because people see these things and they take it sometimes that's why like context matters so much with programming or with like even social media in itself like when i was doing that it was for fun like it was my clients knew exactly what's happening right but then i started this like kind of realizing this wave of like people thought that and they wanted to follow it that like every session you take your client to failure and understanding oh, yeah. that that is not a method that you should do right so like i i, I to, to tell you the truth i actually started panicking i was like no i'm not trying to show you this this is just the fun thing that i have with my clients and i like people don't see behind the curtains like they don't see what happens outside of that one 15 second post video right. or picture that i put whereas like this client session is not always like that they're not yeah. dying every single time not everything has to be taken to failure. Maybe a beginner client, like I, I love Eric always says, like an absence of quality of volume, right? So like with beginner clients, if they're starting, like maybe we have to take them a little bit further more. Like, and you always see with beginners, you can take like push them a little bit further because they don't know absolute failure. They, they don't have the movement proficiency to actually take themselves there. So it can be like that. But then I didn't want to get associated with this because, and I saw it in a mm. couple of my other coaches around uh, I'm not going to name names, <clears throat> but uh, I didn't actually, but uh, <laughs> I didn't want to get associated with that mindset. Of, I was like, Ooh, I want to name. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to get associated with that style of like, Oh, I'm going to kill my clients every single time. Right. So I that, knew what you meant. You posted equally as many videos of them, like smiling. Yeah. Laughing, so yeah. It was like, okay, we're good. <laughs> it was like, a, it, it was a mix, but like that, that's the fear that I have with social media is like things being mm. taken out of context. And I still am like, um, wrestling with the idea of how to put stuff out there how mm -hmm. to put context out there and context is so much that it's like you, you don't know how much of it to put out and how much of it to filter and like even if you have time to do it 
I think that's good too, though, because a lot of people don't know that they don't push themselves hard enough. So to see that, it's like, okay, yeah. I'm gonna hire this guy and he's gonna push me. You know, I'm looking for that. You know, so I know what you're saying, though. You yeah. know, I I totally know what you're saying, but I I thought it was awesome, <laughs> and I understood it. You know, <laughs> it's yeah. Thank you. It's yeah. a give and take, right? Like just going back and forth with it. And and back to the programming piece too. It's like, I just keep thinking of this thing that you can make the most beautifully crafted program. Like you can sit and are you good? <laughs> okay. You good over there across the pond? Yes. perfect. Uh, you can make the most beautifully crafted program and put your heart and your soul into it. But if the other side, like you, you mentioned the teamwork aspect of coaching client, right? If the other side, if they're not doing their work either inside their session or outside their session, it, it is a, it's a, it's a give and take. It's a reciprocity recipe for reciprocity right like coaching it's like the other they have to be showing up too right Mm -hmm. um and so i think yeah like i hope that people who aren't coaches listen to this and think man this is how much coaches sit around and like really think about programming and uh create courses around it because um you follow anything off the internet and you figure it's like the most magical perfect program in the world because you paid for it but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to work for you there's like so much that goes into that And with that, I think it's important for coaches to realize that amount of effort should go into every single program. And if you do your due diligence, it makes it easier because you have, you front load it with all this information. And Mm -hmm. then as you're building that program out and continuing, like you just have this overload of information that you can start pulling from and that you can start utilizing to make your best guess and then is trial and error whenever you introduce a client to it that's honestly what's happening you're making your best guess based on the information available to you to see if this is going to work if this Mm -hmm. is sustainable this is like you use your experience you use your education all of this and then you actually have to test it out and Mm -hmm. see if that person is able to if they're able to do the program if they're you know, like you said, if they're doing their work outside of it, inside of it to meet that collaborative effort, but then also realizing with all that effort, all the intention that you put into it, you have to be willing to, you can't be so attached to it that you're not willing to change and adapt it because Mm -hmm. you can go in, you can have a six month block planned out and day one goes to absolute shit. And now we have to we have to adjust, we have to adapt. And I think that's a big part of coaching too, is not only understanding the individual that you're doing this for, but also the willingness to the willingness and the knowledge to be able to adapt those things, to be able to modify those things and understanding like it, it doesn't have to be overly complicated to make mm-hmm. those regressions or adaptions if you just understand all your options available. Because at the end of the day, it's about the results that you're trying to get. And if I use this exercise or I use this exercise, but I'm still getting the same result, like, cool, it's, it's good. But some people will get so attached to a program they created or so limited by their scope and focus of certain exercises that they never really broaden their horizons or really expand their understanding of movement and movement efficiency of the transferability of biomechanics. Mm-hmm. I knew we were going to get into biomechanics. <laughs> Optimize <laughs> better than optimal. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, the question, one of the questions that I had, and it's for both of you, right? Because like this is a concept we kind of went through is you said it sometimes like you can have the best program or like you, you can have the best intentions. Like there is no best program, but like you, you've put effort into it and you're ready to get started and something completely outside of your control happens to a client. So I want to know if you either one of you have like a story, but like one of one time that like you did something for a client, you were ready and you were working so hard for a program for a client. And then, like, as you said, day one, everything goes to shit. Hmm. Specifics. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if day one, because usually it's, it's a little bit, looser like i take more so the mentality of like this is just us testing to see so like mm. mentality wise like day one it's it's a i approach it a lot more adaptable i can't think of one specific one necessarily but throughout the years i mean there's been tons of no adaptability in hey i have vacation coming up i have a high stress job that now like our four days a week just went to two like okay, what do I need to keep? What needs to go working around like up to big events? I feel like it's, I'm generalizing right now because it happens so frequent that it's hard just to like nail down one of like this, this was my nightmare. Right. Yeah, there's definitely, there's yeah so many different ways that it presents itself too, right? Mahan, do you have one? Um, I feel like you must. Yeah, I do. That's why I like obviously I ask so I can, share my own story tell us your story so it, it might make us think of yeah things fair enough uh basically like this especially this was towards maybe a couple of years ago where i was like i wasn't as enlightened as i am right now <laughs> um and i was working with one of my clients uh and she goes back home and we decide to so we were in person and we decided to go online and i'm just like putting everything into this program. It was like, I, she was like one of my protégés, you know, one of my aces. She did everything well on the gym floor. And now we're just gonna go and kill it while she's like, you know, as an online client and like, you know, just getting the, everything right. Um, I did this program that I was really happy with. Obviously the goal was like legs and glutes and stuff like that. And I was like, I called it Glutageddon. I was just like, this is going to be <laughs> the best. You're going to love it. And uh literally like i think it was the first day that she went back to the gym uh, she met a guy and i like the moment i heard about the guy i was like fuck i knew like this, this is something happening and then like it literally changed the entire like she was in love with training she was just training and now looking back at it maybe the reasons behind training wasn't what i thought it was but like suddenly met a guy got together a couple of months later they're like madly in love like less than a year together they move in they uh, she has a baby now like everything just completely changed and derailed from what we had planned for like the most year of her values changed, really. yeah most of our values changed right and it was just like i to this day I, because we're we're in touch like we still message each other on instagram and stuff like that and like beautiful child she has so i, I keep hating on her uh now fiance i'm just like he took you away from me Moral of the story, Mahan hates yeah. love. Yeah, hates love. Yeah. Mahan hates love, yes. Like, I'm like, who would stop training for gym. a boy? Exactly. <laughs> ah, interesting. Something yeah, like well, that. that had nothing to do with you. Yeah, I know. No, I, I you know where you're programming, there. you know. I'm yeah, perfect. okay, yes. okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for that. I'm like, what did you do wrong there? You did nothing. Uh, I, she everything just, was perfect. Yeah, priorities change, right? Yeah. 
so it's that's one like mm. outside like uh, when they earlier on said like you know some outside influences like something like this is something that like if you can't account for right like mm-hmm. i i can account for even job stress you know like things that i we could kind of measure maybe not measure but like manage as much as possible if they tell you like oh i have this holidays coming up then you can kind of like plan for that if their job like suddenly as you said like from four days a week they can only commit to two days a week you're like all right this is it but if someone's mind like mentality completely shifts or like their goals change or like their values change and then um like a big shift like that is something that can easily happen to us and it's something that you have no no control over and there's nothing you can do about it like it's not mm-hmm. you can't blame yourself like oh p- the program wasn't good enough to keep yeah. your eyes away from yeah. this dude <laughs> like maybe i should have written the anything so you could small, say your program's too good yeah the pro- <laughs> program too <It> well <laughs> I think what I'm thinking of now is just like anytime you guys might have had this. Too. I train, I'm a trained general population people. So that's like important for context. But whenever somebody's going away for like a week for vacation and they're like, can you program me? I'm going to be away. Can you program something for me? And I'm like, yeah, you can also just take the week off. You know, we've been training really hard. Just it's vacation. Go enjoy it. That might be better for your health than et cetera, et cetera, trying to find a gym and doing all this stuff. And they're like, no, like I want to train. I'm going to do it. I'm going to train. You write this like week long modified vacation program. What happens? They don't do any of it. And that's okay too. But it's just kind of like, I, I, you know, I like to give them that option because a lot of people, some people do get out there and they do do the program and they're like, it's really, it was really important to me to keep on it. Amazing. Again, I don't have any athletes or anybody prepping for anything. So for me, it's like, go enjoy the beach with your man or whatever it is. Right. So it's funny when you like, when you're like, okay, cool, we're going to pivot. You've got maybe a resort gym or maybe like body weight movements you can do in your room. But you know, I've just gone down those rabbit holes before and generally people take the week off and enjoy their time. And then they come back from their vacation and they crush it because they had a week off at the beach with their loved ones, you know? And so that's, that's what I think of often. So I've, I've stopped putting as much like energy into those. I used to really like, engage with those because <laughs> uh, sometimes they just don't happen and that's okay too but i also give my clients that option so yeah and I might more be often more often than not it like you were saying it is usually beneficial if it is a vacation like hey just take mm. the time like let's yeah. let's not try to replicate what we're doing like hey you're not taking your squat shoes you're not taking your belt on vacation yeah. let's be realistic about it you have a hotel gym that goes up to 25 pound dumbbells like if you want yeah. to move around a little bit, that's fine. But how about instead, like, go walk on the beach, maybe swim, like, just do things you like and enjoy. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes people come back and they're like, man, I, I ate like an animal, but I feel amazing. And I'm like, yeah, because you, you like, took a little time off from the city. Let's use those carbs. Let's do it. <laughs> Get those margaritas on the floor. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Let's burn it off. It, any other horror stories you want to tell us i want not, some good stuff oh, no. <laughs> they, they broke an arm uh <laughs> injuries like sorry like sometimes it can happen and it's totally out of control and someone just does something oh like, yeah like it, it it happens like again you, you have this beautiful program shiny program on the shelf you're like oh this is gonna be so great i can't wait for the results and then you get a message i fell off my bed in the morning and like doing <laughs> something happened or like and clients love doing this like they just i i mean i i hold nothing against them but it's funny like sometimes as coaches we we think like we can control all the variables 
and then suddenly they do something completely out of the norm. It's like, you know what? I was out and I decided to just like play rugby for no reason whatsoever. And now I have like a sublux shoulder. They're like, ah, perfect. So like, but this is where like, I'm going to kind of plug the programming course again. This is where like knowing how to make decisions and like, you know, having that thought process of progression regression and have having have done a course like that can help you make smarter decisions on how to tackle this situation rather than just being completely blindsided or like oh well now you, you can't you have no shoulder or your arms like gone so we can't do anything whereas like having that knowledge of all right so we're going to make these certain adjustments maybe take this time to recover and then we're going to like focus on this this and this and we can still a movement is cure so have a plan to get you back into moving as soon as possible and then like you know get you back on the horse mm-hmm. and part of that comes through the trust that you've developed with that client that if if you have that rapport if you built that relationship that even whenever those incidents happen that you're having to shift the program by giving them insight and helping them understand, like, we don't need to make this back right now. We just need to go forward from here. Like we're never trying to work backwards in a program. We're just focusing forward. And by giving them that insight in that direction of, Hey, we, in 30 weeks, this is where I want to be. Like, it doesn't matter where we're at right now. It doesn't matter that we're having to adjust or change this because this is the direction we're going. And sometimes that insight can help not only the trust dynamic, but like help them better understand where it's going because most of our clients aren't fitness people that necessarily care about Hmm. like the education side of it. Like they just want the results. But, but I think we can kind of see the inverse of that of, we've all probably experienced whenever a client does go off a program in the workouts, you know, sometimes, sometimes that has to be adapted of, well, there needs to be how, how serious is this goal? Is it a performance-based goal where we have a deadline that we need to meet or like, Hey, do you just want to like lose a couple pounds and you want to stay active where, you know, one has some, quite a bit of adaptability to it that, Hey, okay, we can start incorporating some of this stuff because you've taken an interest to it. Whereas some like you doing this is detrimental to the progress that we're trying to make because we have this performance that we're trying to get to. You'll see, I don't know. I'm sure both of you experienced this, but like if you're working towards a max rep and somebody goes off program and does it beforehand, like, all a lot of times all they'll see is hey i got the weight that i wanted to get but you're thinking as a coach yeah i wanted you to get there in six weeks that you might have just taken the potential of 20 more pounds off the top of that and a lot of times that'll happen through if if it is the more so performance-based goal i think a lot of times it happens from the client fearing that the weight's not going to be there so they you know, get in their head and they jump ahead of the program and they're like, okay, I'm going to, going to max today. Cause I feel good. And I want to make sure that the weight's there. And it's like, no, I know the weight's there because I have this program laid out that we're going to go beyond that weight. But now that you kind of overshot that messes up the whole program. Like now we have to change course because we've introduced such a high stress before we were prepared for it that now we have to navigate through how to manage this how to recover from it 
And again, I think part of that in a lot of instances I've seen, it's kind of a fear-based approach where they're worried the weight's not going to be there, but it comes back to building that trust of like, trust me, the weight is there. We're going to wait on this. It's okay. Um, but you know, it, it also creates an opportunity and conversation of this happened. How can we go forward from here? Mm-hmm. And again, this is how much we think about this stuff and how much we plan and, and all this. So like people out there or maybe listening who don't have a coach or don't follow a program of any kind. Um, you know, if you're wondering why you're stalling, it's because other people pay people to do all of this <laughs> that we're talking about, you know, so all of the things, it's, yeah. that's why it's so important. Right. And a lot of people take it so personally too, when they're not making progress or if they're injured or whatever it is, it's like, there's something wrong with me, but there might just be something wrong with your, I'm like so scared to say the word system now, but <laughs> um, there might be something wrong with your system. Um, yeah. So I, I think I maybe my brain, I always just try to take it back to like regular old people, maybe listening to the podcast. But mm-hmm. and also I say it every single time. I'm like, I'm biased, but like coaching and programming is so important if you're looking to reach a goal, because a lot of people go into the gym, they go into good life every week and try to max out their squat every single week mm-hmm. and wonder why it's not happening after a while. Right. So um, it really does pay off to to pay a professional and an objective eye and somebody who sits around talking with their buddies about it and gets certifications. And, you know, part of our job as coaches is to continually be learning constantly like that never, ever stops. Right. So it, it really helps to hire somebody on every so often. Mm. Like anything else. To outsource that, that, the, the thinking, like, the, like that's what mm. we do. We just think of all the like variables and try to make, we take the uh, weird processes. I always compare ourselves to like a computer. Like we take all the information and then we have to process it. And normally people who build some bad relationships, either with food or training and everything else is because they all, they have all this information, but they don't know how to process it. Or they don't have yeah. the information or look at it the, the way they should. And they just like misinterpret it. Right. It's like but, learning to play guitar or anything else, right? Like you try and learn like the craziest chords to start out. And then, I mean, I tried to teach myself how to play guitar and now I can only play it the way that I learned how to play it because I've never gone to a professional to teach me. Yeah. All right, we're going to start at square one. We're going to start at zero. And I've got this thought out curriculum that we're going to follow, you know. Instead, you just left playing Stairway to Heaven. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, I wish. <laughs> I wish. I know one song, well, maybe two songs. You but my to... strumming pattern, I can only strum in the pattern that I taught myself right. how to yeah. strum in and I can't do anything else. Now you have to unlearn it, which is even like more difficult, right? Way more difficult. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm stuck. James, you said something I like is like, because I've been having this conversation with a lot of my clients more, like more recently. It's like this going and telling like, I know you have the weight right and i know the strength is there i just need you to get there mentally and that's why we're doing this that's why like i'm getting you to succeed and this plan is you have that weight and even more but you're just mentally not there you just like psychologically are psyching yourself out is that fear so i need to create this like step stairway to heaven for you to like step by step get to that goal and like mentally feel good about it because if i get you to work that sub like if their goal is like a certain weight or like certain movement so working so maximally it's like as much as it's physical it's really in my opinion more and more it's psychological right like i need to make them feel good i mean and once they can do like something for i don't know eight reps then just going an increment up for one or two it's not that difficult anymore right Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And that really speaks to you as a coach of understanding your clients and being able to adapt your approach around the psychology of them or the mentality that they're ha they have, because not all clients are going to be the same, especially if you have a client that sees a number and is intimidated by that number, yeah. you have to develop strategies that, okay, let's this, let's make this not a big deal because like you said, if you know the strength is there, that now we're having to work around the mentality that goes into it and going to have to utilize some different techniques for one person that you might need not need for another person. Like part of that is mm. we can look at our industry with like stimulants. A lot of that is like there's some benefits to it, but a lot of it is on the mental side of it in preparing to do something, trying to accomplish because it builds that confidence. And over time, you looking at how you can build that confidence and make this number, whatever this blockade is for that individual, make that dissipate or present it in a different way that it allows that perspective shift. And, you know, we, we could look at things like, we could look at variations that, overload it in a way but more of a like supported way i mm -hmm. what in my last um phase i was doing like reverse band squats that's lord's work just because everything moves so well but you know if the number on the bar is worrisome to an individual something like that of okay we're gonna take that number we're gonna put you in a supportive position like reverse bands or more externally stabilized and we're going to work through this. I'm going to show you that we can do this. There's the support there to help build that confidence. Or like even you see in some programs in this more so like strength training, but I just want you to hold the weight. Like I just want you to step out, hold the weight. We're not going to do anything. Step back in. I'm just slowly introducing it to try to make it from this huge monster that you've built up in your head to something mm -hmm. smaller and smaller. And then by the time you are actually working with that weight. Oftentimes they're going to crush it or they're even going to go past, but it is as a coach understanding the differences in how you're going to approach that program with the individual. Cause yeah. on the, you know, on the sheet, it's X's and O's, but everybody's not going to respond the same where like with my, my training, a lot of times there are situations where like I'm going to train alone and my mentality is always, well, you better figure it the fuck out. Like if I'm going to go do a heavy. Are single, you not used to training alone? No, I am. That's, oh, that's okay. what I, yeah, that's, but that's my mentality approaching that. If it's like a very heavy single that it's like, uh, well, it might not be an option not to get this because there's nobody here to spot you. Like you yeah. don't have standards. You're in a monolith. So sort it out, make this happen. Some people are going to take that mentality and just thrive by it because that's, that's how they, how you do one thing is how you do everything. Like that's how they approach life where some people are just going to be crushed by that weight. But you, you as a coach knowing that would never introduce them into that environment because they're not going to be successful. And when we're talking about coaching and working with clients, we're trying to find the path that's going to allow them to be successful. You have, in the same scenario, you have somebody that misses a rep, they're done for the day. Like mm -hmm. their mentality is completely, it's like, okay, what can I salvage from this? Because they failed on this and every, the quality automatically goes down where the exact same exercise, exact same lift, you put that on somebody else, they miss it. 
and that motivates them to go right back into it and mm-hmm. they get it no problem. Mm-hmm. But it's up to you Good as plan. the coach to understand that because each person's going to be different and your programming should reflect the mentality as well. Yeah. Like Absolutely. A, an example of that is like, because as I said, it was really tangible for me is one of my clients like injury, like pain is a big dictator of how people react. Like some people, it, it's just, uh, they're just going to shut down and they can't do anything. And like, especially if they've been through a bad injury, right? The moment something feels like it was back then, they just can freeze up, right? Like one of my clients, like he had shoulder injury, had surgery and everything else. We've been progressing forever. He has no pain pressing. And then one day, just as he's pressing, he just had a little bit of pain in his shoulder and he can just see them, right? And that's what, this is also why I like doing in person. That like it, the face shows it, right? And we had to immediately stop. I would like, because I could see he's just going in his head. He's just shutting all these doors and just like kind of turning into like, m- like mentally, he was turn- going into a fetal position. I could see it. Mm. And I was just like, all right, man, like, just, just walk it off and go away. We're going to just go on. Like literally, we were just like pacing around the gym talking for 15 minutes. And then we came back and did arms. So I was like, no, today, like I, you're just every, the moment that my idea of pressing was coming up, he was just closing the doors. Whereas like I, me, myself, like I, I'm like, oh, especially if some, if I catch myself slacking mentally, I'm like, well, I look at the numbers, like I've been progressing for f- so many weeks. Mm. And last week I did this. And this week, like my nutrition has been on point. My food's on point, blah, blah that's a mentality thing so i do one extra rep because i'm like no fuck you (laughs) like if you're if you mentally don't want to do this i'm gonna physically make you do it Mm. and like it's this is one thing again like sometimes i feel like especially with online coaching people misses understanding as say you said like what is the driving force and like understanding your clients and like programming or progression doesn't have to be just numbers it has Mm -hmm. to be like okay you don't want to do this Let's find a way for you to be feel confident again to do it. How can mm-hmm. we introduce that to your program? How can we bring you back to that feeling good? And like at the end of the day, people want to feel good. No, I don't think anybody like wants to effectively feel like shit. Maybe they want to be in pain because they find pleasure in that. But mm-hmm. outside of it, nobody wants to feel like shit. Yeah, leave them feeling good. And feeling good is so subjective. It's like anybody, you know, you can crushing a client could make them feel awesome, or Mm -hmm. it could make them feel not awesome, right? Like some it depends on exactly what we're talking about getting to know your client on that level. And that takes time too, right? You're constantly like from day one with a client, you're constantly learning how to coach them, like in every single moment. Mm -hmm. James, how are you gonna like with the programming course, like what we just talked about, like, human interactions right what is the how is the program of course going to tackle this part of it Mm. um so it's what week two i think gets right into it we do a whole week on client intake Mm. and Mm, like collecting the information collecting data having conversations getting to know the person similar to the from before i was talking about try to front load as much information as you can so whenever you're going into it, you have all these resources to pull on. So that second week we go and it's all about client intake. And then the next one is um, going, it's assessment. And so how we take client intake, different information to pull from, different conversations to have, 
an assessment. What are you assessing? How can you take the information from the client intake into the assessment? And then how do these pair together to start us on the process of programming? And through that, we kind of develop and progress as far as you know, looking at it from a macro sense, bringing it to a micro sense, how to, how to transition from phase to phase, but it all starts with client intake mm-hmm. and getting as much information as you can initially, but then also knowing that it doesn't stop there. I think sometimes off the assessment too, that people lose sight of, we do an initial assessment, but that's just to set some parameters for our initial program that we develop off of, but we need to continuously assess. And it doesn't mean we have to go back to the initial assessment, but we have to have a good enough coach's eye to be assessing the the work or the warm up, the workout, every exercise that we're implementing, we should be able to assess that because that's giving us feedback and that's going to dictate how we proceed forward. It's going to let us know. Like oftentimes we'll talk about rep sets and loads is ways to progress. But, you know, another one that's not talked about as much is movement efficiency. Like is the move, is the person moving better week one or week three to week one? And Hey, that's progress. Like, even though we didn't go up and load, even though we didn't go up and reps or sets, if mm. the person's moving better, like we progress there and being able to identify that and being able to manage that and knowing, do we need to move faster through this phase because how well the person's adapting that now we need to send a signal of higher adaptability because how well they have, or do we need to extend our time in this duration and just build up that proficiency, get, get them more comfortable with it, help them with the appropriate reception of how their body moves through space and time. And so that's another aspect of it is that adaptability that it's not necessarily like a textbook periodization model where these are hard set timelines that you're operating within. We view it more so, and that's kind of why we use the phrase phases is it's adaptable. It's fluid in, Hey, maybe this is going to be three weeks. Maybe we need to extend this to six weeks, Mm -hmm. but it's not that hard set. It has to progress like this. Let how the client is progressing, let that dictate how we move forward in the program. Mm -hmm. Some of the biggest mistakes, I think, and there's probably more, but what comes to mind right now that I think people make in um, programming and I did too in my past was uh, rigidity, which we've already talked about and rushing it. Like, oh, it's going well, let's go, you know, and and just like being really excited about their progress and not taking enough time. For me personally, I learned years ago that I had to just slow down that kind of excitement about somebody adapting well to something um, and keep them progressing, but just go at a way slower pace. Hmm. Because it's exciting. You're like, amazing, great, we crushed it. Go, let's go to the next thing, right? But it's, it's, we see adaptation is important, right? You got to take your time with it. Yeah, and that's, I I think we've all experienced it or hopefully we have all experienced mm-hmm. of like that excitement for your client. And sometimes that excitement as a coach can lead to overshooting. I think that's one of like, as we move more towards in a social media space and like utilization of the web, like there's benefits to it. But I think one thing that gets lost is, that in-person aspect of the excitability of getting to see like your client progress right before your eyes. 
sometimes that does lead to, again, jumping the gun, overshooting a little bit, but it's a lesson that coaches need. And maybe in the social media space, they're losing that a little bit because there's not as much of a direct connection and understanding, Mm -hmm. like making that mistake, Mm -hmm. but also recognizing like, I overshot this and I saw the results of overshooting that, that my client's failing. Like that's an important life lesson for coaches to have. Um, not to necessarily go on like the social media tangent, but I'll, oh, we also, will. but also off of that, like recognizing as a coach that like there is a like cycle through that of your excitement, their excitement, and you both want to push it. But sometimes it's important to pull the reins back because you have that long-term direction that is going to help you acknowledge where we're going and knowing that sometimes, Hey, just getting you moving better now is going to create so much greater potential in the future to where we can go and give us so many more options in how we're going to progress to that. Let's stay here for now. Let's continue to utilize this as much as we can. And then we can, you know, we can look at reps, sets, loads, Um, if we're talking about proficiency, but it's the same mentality of all of those. It's understanding each of these is a resource to be utilized. Some are more finite than others. And looking at the sustainability of trying to drive those modes of progression, understanding that movement proficiency, it's one that you can drive the longest. And whenever you set that foundation of driving proficiency in movement, that it it's it allows you to develop it so much further because no matter what variable you add from that, no matter what progression you start to include from proficiency, if proficiency becomes like a baseline factor through each phase, through each stage of it, like that can always be something that like it can always be something that you're looking to assess and like continue to progress on. It's mm-hmm. what is it in the with new uh, clients, the, especially if, I don't know if you two have ever like trained junior high kids, but they're the best example of it. Like, like 11 to 14, 15 year olds, best example of why movement proficiency matters. Because in the first eight weeks of somebody training, you're going to see improvements and all of that. It's, it's not really adapting, like building muscle mass to get stronger It's not really like building as a little bit, maybe cardiorespiratory, but the, the big factor is just the neurological adaptation that comes with it. And that's what movement efficiency is, is understanding how to move through space and time better, more proficiently and using like being able to use that and not rushing into other modes of adaptation. It allows you to drive that so much longer. And it's always something if we're keeping an eye on it. It's always something that we can look to through any progressions to make sure that's on point because that's going to dictate the other modes. Like I can still load, but if the person is compensating more and more and more, Hey, the wheels are going to fall off at some point. But if I'm looking at proficiency and like, I have that range of what's acceptable, what's not like, where can we continue to drive this? Where can we not? I think that sets a tone for us to be able to look long-term and be able to continue to strive with that as a metric. That's always a factor, always something that we're keeping in our perspective. 
building yeah. confidence too right yeah they and Absolutely. confidence is in you as a coach as well because yeah. they feel better in their movements and they understand them it's building skill and confidence the neurological and the um the physical stuff too eh? See, and then they trust you more as a coach exactly James, you know how like we didn't record this, but like you know when you asked like how did Vanessa and I start, and said like we be just like we're on the same. I was literally just about to use the same exact words oh, as so she cute. just said it, and I was like, "God damn it, she beat me to it!" But yeah, because talking about like you know earlier we talked about like fear, right? So movement proficiency, another like uh, it, it is that fa- factor of like building that confidence, right? Like. As I said, sometimes they're scared of the weight, so they just want to lift it up, right? And that's efficiently, like, or from, like, a movement perspective. Or they never touch it. Or, they or they're like, I would have picked right? the five-pound dumbbells. And you're like, come on. <laughs> Go for I it. know what you can lift now, you know? Yeah. So, like, they will lift that up, and they, they like, because they're scared or they're overshooting, like, any, any of those reasons. And then because the movement proficiency wasn't there, they will not be as confident. They will fear the weight. And it's just, like, they feel like it's so difficult but whereas like if they stuck to the program and they if they did progress through move, like movement and like really cared about how they're moving in time and space and gave that a metric then they'll feel more confident to try those weights when the time is right because before like they, they've cared about movement rather than the number on the bar like like and, and i use this myself as an example is like like who does that on their own when they don't have a coach right yeah nobody <laughs> i mean even when you have a coach because like you're for like me, I, I need you to do this just, we're doing like, this you're doing this for me do it for do me this. if you're not doing it for you do it for me slowing down hey, you have to tell them that because like for me like there was one of my biggest goals was like a 200 kilo deadlift right and i was on plan i was just like doing like this whole progression and i was going to do it by november uh 2020 or something like that but this wasn't me jumping the gun but like covid like we had another lockdown coming up and they announced it just like a like a a very like quickly and i had like i was gonna you know train for a month and then try my 200 but then i was like oh the gym's closing tomorrow and i really wanted to do 200 before the end of the year so i was like all right so that entire month is out i don't have the confidence because i haven't done this at all i don't know if i'm gonna do it or not but i'm just gonna go and pull it up right and luckily it's like really bad form but i still lifted like and got it off the ground right i did after goal ranges yeah. that's all we're yeah going it's for. like boom <laughs> <laughs> but like after that i was just like i literally was like oh my god 200 was the hardest thing ever and like it felt like there was a cap there even though i had reached it i was like okay i got my goal perfect but it just because i wasn't ready for it it was such a big cap and then like i went i started training like I'm, i went away from like deadlifts completely and I was just doing my whole training, like with Kyle and do, like, you know, especially back to handstands. On, yeah, back to handstands <laughs> and everything else. And once I just went to like Denzel's gym and I just felt stronger. I hadn't done deadlifts at all. I felt stronger but because I had been working on like eating well, moving well, working on like everything else. And then he's deadlifting and I'm like, oh, let me just do it because I like deadlifts. And then like, as I kept doing, like I, I was confident now, like I was confident, mm-hmm. especially in my movement proficiency because it was like, I've been working so much on like, I don't know, like, especially with Kyle. So it's like my hip flexions on point. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I, I will not have any missing ranges. And I got a 200 and it, it was nothing. It was so, it moved so well that I actually tried the 210 without like even going, uh, technically doing a program and going and trying to practice deadlifts. What mm-hmm. I had progress, as James said, is I had progress and I knew I have progress in movement proficiency. I knew I'm moving better. 
in the past like in those six months i had just moved better and like that that's what kind of led into getting the weight off the ground and i felt like i still had more but then i stopped there because it's like i haven't done this well in in two aspects of that 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 i want to point out is one is it'd be helpful if people understand that once you lay the tracks they're there to go back on like Mm. once you've built the motor pathways to be able to lift this load to be able to move this way it comes back that much quicker because the the pathways don't automatically strip away and you lose all your gains like it's there you just need to send a signal back down that path but the road's already built we just need to travel down it the other one kind of going off of confidence is I think like it would be helpful if coaches and clients kind of understand this together that in building that confidence, because an easy example, a lot of times, like if you take on a client, it might be around weight. I want to weigh this much because I weighed it in high school. And like, it's that number association, but what, you know, talking through and getting a better understanding of them and helping them understand it, it's, it's not that number that you care about. It's how you felt about yourself. It's the confidence that you had at that time. It's that association that you're making. So really what, what is to me an, an like honest selling point to clients from a coaching perspective is you're investing in the potential of possibility. Like that's, that's what you're paying me for as a coach to try to create possibilities for the future for you. And that, in that there's that confidence that, I'm trying to help you build a possibility of confidence. And what does that lead to? What doors does that open? What opportunities does that create? Because that's really what we're looking towards. If we're talking about the like mental side of training clients, it's understanding we're, we're working towards creating possibilities for them and where they can take those possibilities. And, you know, it might be confidence. It might be, it might be, getting pain-free. It might be being able to do something that they never thought they'd be able to achieve or able to do. But when it comes down to it, they're investing in us to help them create possibilities for themselves. Mm -hmm. I love that. And what Kyle has done is <laughs> he's that's helped good, me. good, James. That yeah, that good. was really good. Yeah. <laughs> you Kyle can come has back. helped me build the confidence. <laughs> 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 I wasn't sure until you said that. Just kidding. Yeah, nah. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> no, nah. they can run this. Like, you know, forget about our XC radio. We just do it like together again. Like, you should throw that on the banner behind you. Yeah. Actually, that was great. Uh, Mahan, you always right. say that you can't wait until people fail. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah. I like just that in there too. tripping people in the you gym, be good... like, "Oh, you messed those lunges <laughs> up." <laughs> yeah. If the, if I even if they're doing their PR, like if they're going, if they're doing well, I just push it out of their hands. Be like, "There you go." Let me yeah, let this be a lesson. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <Not> life. <laughs> life throws a wrench. Now, I I, <laughs> it's kind of goes uh, hand in hand with what they said, but like especially if you train with like either beginners or like because i used to like work with kids for kickboxing and like the first six to eight weeks they just like suddenly like they feel like they're like martial art athlete like you know experts Mm -hmm. and like they're going to be in a movie or something like that because it's just the movement gets better and they just getting are getting better at finding themselves in space so i always say like i i do i get excited for my clients progressing but i also really get excited for them failing 
because and sometimes it sounds wrong but you guys know what i mean it's just the fact that like they know that like all right that actual work starts now because like until here there is like you know name it whatever like beginner gains or something else like you know uh they can get better and better and better but they have to understand that like not everything's going to move linearly like i feel like beginners especially with like pe- people who just start a lot of things happen for them linearly and they might get like they might associate progress to everything going up at the same time and we both like we all know that uh when you're progressing like it's easy to just use the main three lifts even if you're just doing the main three lifts sometimes your bench will be stagnant and like your deadlift might go up and your squat is just like going up and down it's just playing it's gonna like, suck at some point. yeah it's gonna things be are sucky, gonna suck right? at some point yeah. yeah it's gonna be like annoying so like I want them to get to those points because now we can work on the mindset. Like we can work on like, how can we, because it's through failure that you can kind of progress and achieve more. Right. So I want them like, I like those conversations. I want to start be like, all right, so like, this is where you kind of projected yourself to be. And now we've hit this, but that doesn't mean we're not going to get there, but we just have to make sure we have like the right tools. We ha- we make the right decisions. We're not overly attached because I want them to fail numbers. Because again, normally, norm if they fail a number, that's because like they care too much about the number and they got rid of movement proficiency or they weren't moving as well. Or like one another metric of progression, time or distance wasn't played around with as much. There's like I don't want them to get attached to load. So that's what I mean when I like I I get excited for them failing is because now I think that's where the real like training begins in a sense. I think the same thing could be said about nutrition. Or, you know, okay, you, you met and not that there is a ton of like messing up to do, but just in learning how to incorporate healthy habits into your life, you're going to mess up. Things are going to suck at some point, you know, it's, it's how you rebound back from that. And, and I like the tracks analogy a lot. Like what Mm -hmm. were the tracks that you laid that you can hop back on? Um, and because each time you fail, you learn and same with new, new coaches out there, right? It's like, you could say the same thing. Like, I can't wait until you fail because every time I fail, in an aspect or even in the business aspect, like I learned something. Oh, that invoicing thing, that system did not work at all. And now I've learned I do it this way, you know, it's just like, there's so many ways that that could go, I think. And like, I used to stress out so much about doing something wrong and in, or having like a quote unquote bad client, like those people have taught me the most and they've made me the coach I am today, you know? So I'm glad I made mistakes that I made um in certain ways it really sucks it's so hard but i don't make them anymore i'm sure there's another mistake around the corner i might make but it's <laughs> that's how that's how you learn you know and, and those life lessons are crucial for development because you learn very little from success all you should take away from success is i should repeat this somehow mm. people screw that up of like <laughs> oh i was successful i should change something no all success tells you is repeat what you just did let's see if we can get that again because we want to continue to be successful what do you mean people screw that up like they they see success and they're like i'm gonna change so if easy example in fitness if somebody hits a pr let's redo our numbers and run exactly what you just did to get that pr oh right like run the exact same program where oftentimes it's like no i want to change everything now right No, what's the least amount of things that we can change that we can try to repeat this result. But truly it is that failure that you learn lessons that, that you have a better understanding of how to adapt, how to, 
how to change because that stress forces adaptation. And that's really what failure is. It's stress. Let me tell you, like I've failed a lot in my life. I've learned mm -hmm. a lot of life lessons. Mahan, I really like that you brought up your experience with kickboxing because it's such a good analogy of kicking the bag is really fun. It's not fun when you get punched in the face now. <laughs> like, like whenever you get punched in the face, now I have to learn. Yeah. I have to adapt that. Oh, Why did kick, that happen? Yeah, like kicking this bag with my hands down is real fun. Whenever I'm in front of somebody, that means I get punched in the face. I need mm -hmm. to change things. But mm -hmm. it's only it's only through that failure. It's only through the demand to adapt that we evolve, that we look to like how to be more successful, how to how to find a path forward that is going to allow us to continue to strive, to continue to be successful. But without that failure, we're never going to change anything. And because it doesn't make sense to change if something's going well, like us, us is humans, like our we look at the minimum effective dose, like what is the least amount that I have to do to spend energy to do this that is going to reap the greatest benefit? Like it, it makes sense to be successful, not to change things. It's only through that failure that we need to adapt. We need to change because what is it? It's uh, the definition of an insanity or whatever is doing the same thing, but expecting different results. Mm -hmm. If you're failing and you're not changing anything, that's by definition, that's insane. Mm -hmm. You should be changing and looking how to be successful, but it's only through those that failure that we really learn to change anything. Mm -hmm. And be willing to fail, right? You gotta be you gotta be like, all right, life, training, coaching, whatever, you know, like let's do this. Cause it's the people I think who aren't willing to fail, who get really rigid in their structures and they, they aren't willing to adapt. And it just kind of like snowballs from there. Right. With your client coach, business owner, like anything. Yeah. And, and again, I'm like, excited I'll, for I'll, you to fail. <laughs> kind of like point back to, um, like the animal kingdom sharks and alligators. They've not had to like, they've not had to adapt very much in their, in the span mm. of their existence because how they haven't have, had to evolve, I'll say, because how adaptable they are to their element, how how well they've evolved to that point that they've not needed to change. Like mm -hmm. it's it's the what survival, it's not the biggest, it's not the strongest. It's the thing that has the greatest capacity to adapt. Mm -hmm. And if you look at like the existence of those two creatures, they've not had to adapt very much throughout the continuation of their existence because how like how they're not the biggest, they're not the strongest, but how well adapted to the environments they are. Mm. And that goes so back like to what you said. Like the dodo bird did not adapt. No, no that's why bird was like, yeah. really <laughs> actually. Yeah. Yeah. Evolve yeah. or die. Yeah. It's right. Like it's that old saying evolve or die. If you're unable to evolve, from your environment and you your bet. circumstance, you die. It's it's the completion of your lineage. So it's not the biggest, it's not the strongest thing that survives because the T-Rex, like the chicken not alive died. anymore. The, right. the chicken, yep, devolved into it. But but <laughs> through that, it's the thing that has the greatest capacity to adapt that is going right. to be successful long-term because no matter what situation you put it in, it's going to modify. It's going to adapt to its surrounding, to its circumstance to find a way to continue on. 
And I think bringing it back to programming and exercise, that's what we're looking to do as coaches. We're looking to adapt and modify to make that long-term success. Got yeah. it. Got it. Promo. I, I mean, you, we can you, also talk about sharks for you, like a bit if you want. Cause uh, I'm going to go there. About. Yeah. Cause like what you said, like <laughs> exactly. Like if you're succeeding, keep doing what, like if you're successful, keep doing that. Right. So yeah, sharks don't change it. They're if it's not broke, don't their, fix it. Yeah. Ecosystem. So they just keep doing the same thing. They don't need to change anything. They're terrifying monsters. Yeah. Like there, there's a social media page called uh, nature is metal. Yeah. <laughs> Like if, if you need examples of the monsters that there are out in nature, go look at that page, but specifically look at the alligators, crocodiles, look at the sharks and some of the examples out there. Like the other day I saw an alligator without the top of its mouth, Mm. like somehow it has survived in the wild without the top of its mouth. It, it had to adapt to what it was eating because clearly it can't, you know, go in grab something and do a death roll anymore but somehow it can't even out. chew things it can't even masticate yeah. things it, so it probably just like swallows things like a cobra or something yeah it just swallows I'm asking it, you but... like you know like you know the alligator <laughs> <But> <laughs> what does he do james <laughs> but like how they're the adaptability to that like mm-hmm. even changing like okay now you're no longer getting like you've adapted your whole survival strategy in that instance where at one point you had the ability to grab things off of the land, like basically anything that you could bite, that was now your food. Mm-hmm. Whereas now it's like, okay, you're not as fast as this thing. You don't have the surprise element. You have to adapt to find things that you can eat that are slow or that you can trick into your mouth. Cause it <laughs> like it, it stopped right here. Like it was missing the whole top of the jaw. But again, through that, a willing, like a willingness to survive and through that finding a way to adapt to the environment, finding a way to adapt to the circumstances. Recommend anybody listening to this, go check out that page. It's not for the weak of heart. It's gruesome, but it's, it's life. Look at it. Go look at it. (laughs) It's the perfect example of this part of the discussion. Like, cause Mm -hmm. that's all it is, is like, it's not good. It's not bad. It's a reality of life and survival and survival is adaptation. But we live in a world with so many comforts, James, you oh, know, yes, as do. humans, you know, right. it's so easy these days. We've, got We've Uber adapted Eats too and... well. Too, we yeah, adapt too no, well. It's too much. Mm-hmm. That's why you should call the, the or slogan is it the ecosystem. For, <laughs> the slogan for programming <laughs> principles should be be a shark. With shark. one jaw, with a half just, a jaw. Just devour. Just yeah. devour. <laughs> well, if it's anything like Jordan Shallow's lectures, you guys would be pulling from YouTube. And I remember one time Shallow like pulled up a clip from Family Guy to explain something <laughs> in PS level one. It was the best. I'm like, I like this course. Yeah. You're like, oh, this is just <laughs> yeah. like hanging out. He's like, has like, anybody seen these? Like, sorry, I'm going to take half an hour on this. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it, was, it was definitely my learning style. Uh, I can't wait for you guys Aww. to do that. Like, just bring up the nature is metal in the middle of the lecture i'm gonna like go week back four through. yeah i'm going back through the whole course after this conversation <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. just putting awesome animals <laughs> across it like, well, if it's your style you do that yeah here's a golden eagle taking down a wolf here's a shark over here yeah. reps and sets um, like this shark <laughs> did this many reps Speaking of failing and lessons, what do you think, if you can think of anything off the top of your head, like over the past year, maybe two years, what what's a big thing that you've learned and 
training or coaching or fitness or anything, maybe something you changed your mind on or some kind of principle that has been re in recent times for you that is in your mind. Yeah, James, tell us about the deficit one and a quarter, one and a half deadlifts. Oh, they're terrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, I Let's see. I don't necessarily know that it's changed, but since you brought that up, like it definitely reinforces like that you need you need exposure to hard things because it pushes the boundaries. Like you never, you never truly know where boundaries are unless you touch the edge of them, unless you mm. like search them out and you kind of look where it is, you have a better understanding and then you can pull back. That doesn't mean that you have to do it in a way that it's detrimental that mm -hmm. uh, now I'm wrecked or like I've seriously injured myself, but it's understanding going off of that. So, Currently, I think I'm in the last week, thankfully, of one and a half deficit deadlifts. And yeah. so, say, um, max. So, full range, then a half rep. So, also with your feet on some plates or something. Yeah. So, I do the opposite of that. So, with deficit, we're looking at like how to create a longer lever, how to work through a greater range of motion. With one and a halfs, it is in part cardio base, in part training around a position. So I know for myself at the bottom of the knee to mid knee, that is my longest lever. That's going to be the hardest point. So I look at deficit deadlifts is it, anytime you watch my videos, they're actually like three fourths deadlifts, not one and a half. Cause I go above my knee because what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to train an adaptation that I move through my longest lever, my hardest point very, very quickly, because once it's past my knees, I can drive that no problem, but it's getting it to there. And so how I look at the one and a half, I'm training past that weak point. I'm trying to move very, very fast through that. And with the deficit, it's add, adding the greater range of motion now that I'm having to overcome and having to sustain that. But with a like top volume of 20 with that understanding that you can almost count it as two lifts per one. So whenever I do a set of five, I'm doing 10 deadlifts, mm -hmm. knowing the boundary that like, if I'm doing four sets of five, that's going to get me to my 20, but Hey, maybe I push it a little bit and I do two sets of, five and then one set of 10 realize uh, yeah 10 that that's the boundary i'm not going to go past there and if i start off with that it's going to fuck me up especially mm -hmm. if i'm in a gym with no ac then <laughs> like here here's the top level i touch that i'm not going to keep like trying to run to that because i understand that's where the boundary is so mm -hmm. if i can op if i can take a step back and i can operate close to that but not past it I can continue to progress. I can continue and not to below it. Exactly. Like mm -hmm. it, you have to find that range, but you never, you're never going to understand how to push to that point. If you don't touch the boundary a little bit, sometimes you overshoot it. And that's kind of back to the conversation around failure. Like that, that's all that failure when and lifting is, is just overshooting it a little bit, but it's, it's overshooting or touching that boundary in a way that we have a plan going forward that, hey, in this instant, it was okay to guess because we calculated for it that we have a path forward from there instead of just, 
I'm just going to do this because now I'm injured. Like that's, that doesn't give us much of a ability to adapt or modify from the information that we got and except don't get hurt again, or uh, probably shouldn't be doing that. Or we weren't ready for that. Whereas, you know, in the kind of the scenario that I brought up or like the exercises, just understanding there's the boundary. Now I can kind of set a pace a little bit behind that. Fire is hot. Right? Fire is very the hot. Fire is hot. Yeah. yeah. I've heard that phrase keep, like so see often in the past week. Your hand in it. Mm-hmm. James, have you gone through a lot of hard things in your life? Would you say? Um, I don't, I don't enough? know at this point I would consider them hard necessarily. Um, just because I think, think a lot of it plays into perspective and like just my mentality. Like I understand the whole of everything matters and like what we, we wouldn't be what we are without our experiences. And so like, I don't, I've kind of disassociated necessarily like the good and bad of it. And it's all, it just is. And like Would it's somebody gone. else say that you've been through hard things. I don't know. You'd have to talk to <laughs> I just have this working theory that people like us have been through a lot of hard things. So we know how to find that threshold that you were just talking about, mm-hmm. um, but also not to play under it, you know, um, being a general population coach, I meet a lot of people who maybe like just haven't had, uh, and I don't know, I always try to bring life in with training, but that regardless, I think like teaching people resilience is really important, but a lot of people who have had to be very resilient in their life to very difficult things, they've got no problem hammering themselves in the gym or, um, being super consistent with their training because it's like, Oh, I've done way harder things than a one and a half, uh, deadlift, you know? Yeah. I don't advise them. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that sounds terrible. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, Medical really with advice. that, really with that <laughs> but also kind of back to wrapping this point is like, that's where the coach matters in this because mm-hmm. for those people that have no problem pushing themselves and like getting there, those are the people more often not that you have to pull back. They're the ones yep. that you're like, hey, on vacation, just go chill out. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't need you in the gym. They're like, no, I really doing Peloton twice a day in between your sessions, please. (laughs) But I love adrenaline. It's going really well. Yeah. It's good for my mental health. Okay. All right. Put the belt down. You're not packing your belt. (laughs) Yeah. Don't bring resistance bands. They don't do anything. (laughs) I get that a lot. I'll bring my resistance bands. I'm like, you just go walk. (laughs) Yeah. I think, you know, I think that's a, like, it's a, great question and it is a good perspective to understand that as a coach of in some some people need to find that resiliency and you as a coach need to understand when it's an appropriate time to push to that and some people already have that that you as a coach need to pull back or need Mm -hmm. to pull them back at times Yeah. yeah building confidence exactly james i want to be conscious of your time because i think you said that you you have something up like yeah i've got like 10 15 minutes or we can oh don't give us 10 15 (laughs) sharks that shark turns into an hour (laughs) very yeah very quickly mahan do you have a question um i one i mean a couple but like one of them is just like let's go let's go to social media i know you didn't want to go there but let's go yeah we gotta um one thing that I, I this new trend that is kind of bothering me is um 
And okay, I know, I know, like an antidote, an, an antidote to a bad idea is a slightly better idea. And like, I don't, I, I'm trying actively not to complain too much about social media because if I have to, if I have the energy to complain about social media, I equally should have the energy to put something better on social media. Mm-hmm. At least I try it with my clients. Like, if I complain to them about something, I try to give them like ten more pointers that actually helps with the training. Like, but like on my Instagram, I haven't done that yet. But one thing that's just recently is tickling my pickle is oh boy this... <laughs> that kind of show yeah, hey. it's this idea of like um i know you have to put your work out there right you know, like you know clients and testimonials and things like that but it's just getting a little bit too out of hand and one of them is this idea of client of the week like you know when mm. pts start like i i see it more often now there's like this this is blah 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 is client of the week for them doing this and this and this and i i don't i don't know how i feel about it yet it's bothering me but i don't know exactly why it's bothering me i it has nothing to do with anything we've talked about but it was just something that uh, like got triggered for me at some point you don't know why it bothers you yet yeah so figured out why so i have this quote tattooed on my shoulder uh from edgar Allan poe Oof. it's it's um well hold on i want to see something if I want you have tattooed you don't remember yeah, it well i want to see if i want to take it here if i want to go in a different direction because like one thing i don't want to lose to this is like that reflective piece of this bothers you but you don't know why so looking at it like first off if it's i'll get back to the quote here in a minute but um but whenever we're looking at or whenever we're discussing like social media first off like it is just a highlight like the whole thing's just a highlight and so taking that into context like we can participate in it or we don't have to like just because we have a business on it just because we're on it doesn't mean like we have to engage in that way that you have the ability to change the narrative or approach it like change the narrative to the point where you were saying um where you were saying like you would make a better post or like a counter to that if you disagreed that you'd put information knowledge words to to that to like change a perspective that you saw but also with that is like we don't have to engage in that way we have the opportunity to like go our own path so if something like that is bothering you we can always look to look to like it you have this emotional reaction that it creates an opportunity to dig deeper why am i having that and and where is that coming from is it something that like i believe this is disingenuous of the person and that's why it's triggering that like hey i think like i don't really how they're presenting it i don't agree with or it doesn't come off as authentic um because because i wouldn't say necessarily it's the idea of that itself because look like through this conversation we've talked about coaching we've talked about working with clients and like it's praising a client and i don't think you'd have any issue with giving positive feedback to a client i mean regardless to say like i'm pretty sure you just from kind of knowing your personality and some of the interaction like you probably do that very very well and so it's not the praise of it it's looking to like what does that represent to you that you disagree with is it how it's being presented is it that it seems 
inauthentic is like there's something deeper to it but because we had that emotional reaction it gives us that opportunity to dive a little bit deeper and get some perspective on what that is that might help guide how how you would make a differentiation or how you would approach it that is more agreeable to you because because with that like still not knowing how you feel about it like I wouldn't say it would be bad for you to put one of your clients on and be like, this client's working. Like the things that you're already saying to that client, if you made a post about them, I don't think that'd be a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But again, it's it's not to say just because everybody's doing it, or it could just be a thing that you kind of pointed to that like you're seeing all of it. You're like, oh, I don't want to like I don't want to jump on the trend just because it's a trend that it's mm-hmm. something that you're already doing, and maybe it's just hey, like you're you're putting this out as a promotional tool and that seems disingenuous because you, you're already doing that privately with your clients. Like you don't need, Mm. they don't need that reinforcement because you're already covering the base on it and you see it possibly as more of like a business tactic than authenticity. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but just. Yeah, no, like the, you, you nailed it. It's like, for me, one of the biggest things that always like triggers me is jumping on bandwagons. And doing mm-hmm. it because people are doing it like that disingenuity of like it's it's not gen- i don't know why i'm explaining what <laughs> it's not genuine it's just like people just do it because it's a business tactic or they think it's a bit i don't i don't personally think it's even a great business tactic but i see it more and more and i think it's that bandwagon of like all right i need to just like put this and the client like i every time i see that i feel bad for that client and some other clients because it's like your clients should know that. Like if if they're mm. good, like they should know it. It's 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 a personal interaction, right? Like you know, again, we program for computers, we coach people, and you have to have that people's skill, and you, they know it. And no, who doesn't like to be complimented or praised? Every one of us loves it. Hey, <laughs> <I don't>. <laughs> <laughs> you get more of it, even. Vanessa, it sounds like you might understand that. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Want but, to take another half hour to praise me? That'd be great. Yeah, see. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah for me i think it's the element of like jumping on bandwagons it's funny you were saying like you could do something to, like counter it i'm like you should make a shittiest client of the week yeah like, <laughs> all my client fail late every single session that, you know look i'm at just gonna them. shame them into getting the results <laughs> that i want yeah but they don't uh-huh. know. but yeah i did it like i had to run on that just because i had like i didn't want to lose that idea or the like verbiage to what was developing but it it does feed in very well to the quote the quote is words have no power to impress the mind without the exquisite horror of their reality mm. and yeah it's a good one but yeah. but with Can that you say like it how, again a little slower it's a <laughs> yeah. tattoo now there we go start <laughs> a trend jump on the bandwagon Come on. yeah this will be the um, title of the episode too. Yeah. So, so the quote is words have no power to impress the mind without the exquisite horror of their reality. Mm. And it's like, I've had this conversation several times, but I'm not a super emotional person. So it makes me have to be more aware of other people's emotion because that's not always inherent. I mean, I'm not necessarily a psychopath or anything like that. I feel emotions, but but I'm not a super emotional person. I wasn't necessarily raised in that kind of environment. But what that has made me mindful of is other people's emotion of their reaction. 
And so in that thought process, whenever somebody has an emotional reaction to something, that's kind of the end point that we understand to take that further. It's the action of that action of the reaction is kind of the end point where now we can start reverse engineering that back and understanding that this happened because they felt this way and keep going back. And that's kind of why that quote always stuck with me, because if a word triggers you, it's not the word because words are made up mouth movements. It's the association <laughs> and the value that you give to that word. And so as in client coaching, conversation, communication, understanding like the verbiage matters, but also like we need to recognize those hard hitting points because there's a value and an emotion associated with it that we need to walk back and we need to better understand. Cause again, it's, it's not the word itself. It's what is tied to that, what's associated to that. And so that's why I've always appreciated that quote because it, I think it verbalized my understanding of trying to recognize action and emotion and walk it back to an origin point. Mm -hmm. The horror. And yeah. the quote you it, said was really beautiful. Like my, what I know similar to that is Salma Hayek in a movie goes <laughs> and like tells people like, I can like this. She's talking to some guy who speaks English and he goes, she goes like, I can insult you in Spanish as much as I want. And if you don't speak a lick of Spanish, you, this will have no effect on you. I can say the, mm. the meanest things that I know, like the most personal things that I know about you. But because you don't understand it, it will have no effect on you. But if I said it in English, it will. So it's, it's not the words, it's the value that we put, like we put onto the words, right? And it's yeah, kind of similar to that. It's also very much like what you're saying about the client with the number in their head, what they want away. It wasn't about the number. It's about how they felt when they were at that number, right? Mm -hmm. Like the emotion tied to that like fact and figure thing. Yeah. And it, it, it matters that mm -hmm. the understanding, the perspective, all of that matters and should be taken in consideration when we're working with people. Mm -hmm. exactly. all Sweet. Right. I think that's well, a Thank good you so talk. much. Yeah. Thanks that's it. Me. Yeah. Dang. No problem. We perfect. hope you have a great rest of your day. Yeah, thank and you very thanks much. Thanks for hanging with us and giving us your time. Yeah, absolutely. I always appreciate mm -hmm. these opportunities. Like it's fantastic to get a jump on, talk, talk shop with coaches, trainers, and you know, getting to go into the weeds. And ultimately, a lot of these conversations devolve away from just reps and sets and training. And it mm -hmm. it gets a bit more personal. It gets more outside. Because again, I think we understand that like these this is the reality of everyone's life that all these different elements matter because it's not just in the gym, it's everything that comes into it. So I really appreciate you two having me on. Um, happy yeah. to come back anytime. We can always oh, talk yeah, about please. sharks and alligators. Please, anytime. let's do it. I'm going to send you guys both a video that I saw yesterday too. Yes, <laughs> um, James, uh, how can people find you if they want to find you? Um, so they can always go to Kansas. <laughs> yes. Topeka, Kansas. Come on down. Go to Kansas. No, see nobody else is coming. <laughs> um, but, uh, on social media, they can find me at, uh, there 2513. Um, and then email wise it's on my social media, but it's, um, www.byproductperformance at gmail.com. Um, yeah, either way, honestly, the I'm pretty quick on social media. So mm -hmm. if you want to have a conversation, just uh, shoot me a DM and we'll go from there. Sweet. Well, good luck with the programming course. I hope it's mm -hmm. awesome. I'm super excited for you guys. And uh, 
yeah. Keep killing it. Yeah. Thank you very much. I'll uh, do my best. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much for your time.